It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Listen, put me in the parking lot, you know, um, with Bears, and I'll go out there and play. It don't matter. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. Fun show today. Zach Black will be here with you in just a moment. We'll be joined by Luke Robinson with Locked On Bama. In fact, let's just go ahead and play that conversation. Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, well, that's usually him. But today we're going to actually do a crossover episode with my friend Zach Blackerby over at Locked On Auburn. Zach, how are you today, buddy? I'm good, Luke. I am good. Uh, man, I think uh, I think this is kind of nice that we're putting this up on, on Thanksgiving. I know a lot of family, you know, kind of, you know, uh, Auburn side and the Alabama side, so this is always kind of a fun uh, holiday to talk about the Iron Bowl a few days away. We're going to show that it could be nice and civil and have a good, you know, have a good chat here. I'm going to be honest with you. I think most Thanksgivings, a lot of folks would rather be with a Alabama or Auburn fan, whichever the, the opposite for them is, than be with some of their family members. So I think we can make this work. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Luke, what's kind of the vibe on the Alabama side of it? The Auburn side of it going into this, I, I think most fans aren't feeling too confident going into this uh, going into this matchup. I mean, Vegas setting the line at 25 or 26, depending on – where you look, and we're recording this on uh, on Monday, so maybe it's shifted a little bit since then. We'll have to see. But what's the general feeling from the Crimson Tide fan base going into this Iron Bowl? You know, it's so funny. I, I listened to y'all's podcast um, today, actually, the, the Monday podcast for the Tennessee game. Who I was negative, and wasn't I? <laughs> I really – well, you know, it's kind of funny. You were a little negative, but I, I, some of your uh, listeners – that uh, had tweeted in, they seemed a little bit more positive and upbeat. And I think general vibes from the Auburn message boards are more upbeat in terms of, hey, you know, we did what we had to do. And, I mean, it's we won and know the Alabama game is is an uphill battle. But, uh, you know, we show up and, you know, you never know in the Iron Bowl. Remember 2002 is sort of the battle cry. And I think Alabama fans are kind of funny nationwide that I I believe most fans believe Alabama fans are just – you know, they're, they're just sitting in high cotton. They, they love what they're doing. Everything's perfect. And Jimmy and I laughed because we beat Kentucky 63-3. to And all we could talk about for the first segment was how many things we did wrong in terms of Kentucky getting a couple of nice um, drives going on the first two possessions, uh, the way people were treating Pete Golden on Twitter during those two possessions. And so it's, it's the life of an Alabama fan to critique the smallest – uh, fault when really the big picture is Alabama is the best program in the country right now. So I think Alabama fans are feeling good, but at the same time, um, it's Auburn. And I, I can tell you this, as a guy growing up in Ellick City, I never take the Auburn game for granted. I remember being there in 2012 in Tuscaloosa, up 42 to nothing at the half, and looking at my brother and going, they can still come back. <laughs> Well, I, I don't think that's going to happen this year, and we could talk more about our predictions later in this crossover show. But, Luke, I think uh, I think an interesting aspect of this is like, okay, what needs to happen for Auburn to make this game competitive? I know at times, more so earlier in the season, I think Alabama's gotten better defensively over the course of the season. 
Um, they've also faced worse offenses, but I think all in all, I think they've gotten uh, significantly better on the defensive side of the football in the last four or five weeks. But what does Auburn do? What can Auburn do offensively to score points and to kind of keep up with this? I think Auburn's defense is going to do fine early. I think it's going to be similar to two years ago where you know it may be a one or two score game going into halftime, and then it's kind of the you know maybe late third quarter where you start to see. You know, uh, can can Auburn's offense keep up on the scoreboard? You know, just every single drive. So th- that's kind of what I'm anticipating. I think this game's going to look really, really similar to the 2018 Iron Bowl. Um, that's kind of what I think too, uh, except for the fact that I, I doubt Mac Jones is responsible for six touchdowns the way Tua was. I think this could be a big game for Najee Harris. Yeah. Um, when I watched Auburn play Tennessee this past weekend, and Eric Gray is a very good running back. Don't get me wrong. But, man, he was getting chunk yards all day long. He ended up rushing for close to 180, if not more. And I I thought he looked great. Now, Najee is not a burner. A lot of Auburn fans may not even know this. Najee, this past week, his 42-yard touchdown run, that's the longest run of his career at Alabama. And he may go down as Alabama's all-time leading rusher. That's just – it's a weird statistic. His leading – his – Highest rush before this weekend, I think, was 36 yards. He's had some long receptions, though, hasn't he? He's never had a – as far as I know, he's never had one that was – Longer than that? 40 yards. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's just – Najee's kind of a grinder, and he can make you miss in a phone booth, but he's not like a a Dalvin Cook. You know, he hits a hole and he's gone. That's Mm -hmm. not Najee. Um, And so he – Eric Gray may be more that kind of back. And so maybe that's – conducive to Eric Gray having a big game versus Najee having a really big game, even though Najee had a great game in the Iron Bowl last year in the loss. Um, but I think, and going back to your question about Auburn's keys to victory, I would say I would take a page out of Kentucky's playbook, which was at the very first of the game uh, this Saturday. And I know, again, it sounds weird because Alabama won by 60. But at the very first, um, Kentucky just kept getting these third-down conversions. Yeah. I mean, they they would be in third and four, and then they'd get first down. They'd be in third and five, and then get a first down. And all of a sudden, you look up, and it's sort of like, hey, there's only three minutes left to go in the first quarter. Um, shouldn't we already be having 21 points on the board? And it didn't feel that way. And um, I, I don't think any Alabama fan ever worried that Kentucky was going to win that game. But it was, it, it was exacerbated by the fact that we knew Kentucky can't pass it. Their, their quarterback's just not a passing quarterback. In fact, I'm not sure any quarterback they have on the roster is a passing quarterback, and they were missing several people. So we just wondered, hey, why can't we stop the run when we know run is all they can do? Mm-hmm. And um, But I think ball control would be huge for Auburn. Forget about trying to hit um, Anthony Schwartz deep a lot. I mean, I know Auburn fans want to see that happen, and it's happened the last couple of games. Right. But I would try that a couple of times this game, and the rest of the time hope for three and a half, four yards in a cloud of dust and just ball control – keep Alabama's offense on the sideline, and hope for the best, hope that the offense ends up having a turnover. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it, Luke. I think the Auburn offense, uh, it needs to go through Tank Bigsby on early downs, and you hope you get into third and short, third and three, third and two. Auburn's been pretty good at third down uh, over the stretch, really post-Georgia, since their offense has picked up a little bit. Um but yeah, I, I agree with you. You got to hope that Tank Bigsby's hip is uh, is better, and he's able to kind of be as close to one hundred percent that he possibly can in the given situation. And then the passing game, to me, I mean, it's Seth Williams or bust. If you're Auburn, uh, I think he's going to be the only one that's consistently physical enough 
to kind of win those 50-50 balls. I think you kind of use Eli Stove a little bit as, you know, kind of Mr. Consistent. He's been in Auburn for forever. <laughs> but one of those guys that, you know, every time he, he kind of gets a target, it, it ends up in a first down. He doesn't get a ton of targets, not as many as I think he should. But all in all, I, I think those are going to kind of be the two guys. And, you know, I, I like what you said about Schwartz. I think Auburn's finally figured out how to use him. But I just don't think that's how you're going to beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl. I think it's got to go through Seth. And Eli, your possession type guys, and, and you just got to keep your defense off the field. You got to keep Mac Jones and this elite Alabama offense off the field for as much as possible. I think that's, um, uh, you know, to, to, to use your phrase, I think that is, uh, I think that's Auburn's key to victory I'm, on Saturday. I don't think there's any doubt. Everybody, you're listening to a crossover episode between Locked On Bama and Locked On Auburn. Auburn, we will be back here in just a minute. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on, so find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, buddy. Zach, thanks again for being with us on this crossover episode. Um, okay, so what do you see when you watch Alabama play? I mean, do you feel like this is one of Alabama's best teams over the last few years? Because I'm going to be honest. I think that it's a very good team, and there is talent everywhere. But a lot of it is unseasoned, despite the fact that Mac Jones has been there for a while and Najee Harris is doing his thing. The offensive line is certainly veteran, and Devontae Smith is great. But, you know, defensively, I guess, is where it comes into play for me. So many young guys on the defense, and it seems to show a lot, even though Alabama's only given up three points in the last two games. Yeah, I mean, I see an Alabama defense, like I said. I think it's gotten better as the season goes on, and that's kind of what happens when you talk about young, talented, unproven guys. Um, As far as this offense, to me, as, you know, a guy that doesn't cover Alabama, but I watch – the vast majority of their games until it gets really boring about halftime. But to, to me, it, it seems like the offense looks better with Mac Jones than it did with Tua. I mean, this guy is dealing. And Auburn saw Mac Jones, obviously, in the Iron Bowl last year. He had two big picks that ended up kind of turning the game, and Auburn was able to take advantage of it. But obviously, I think you're seeing a more improved passer, a more improved leader. I mean, going into the season, it's like, okay, this is Mac Jones' team. At least that's what it looks like. To me, I, I think they all know that they are going to go as far as Mac Jones can take him. And, man, his arm has been incredible. And I know, you know the, the Mac Jones doubters are going to say, well, of course, he's throwing to, to first-round talented guys all over the field. And while that's true, um, we've seen other guys in Alabama's offense do, uh, you know, be in a similar situation and not have the numbers that Mac has been able to have. I think he's been really, really solid. I'm excited to see, you know, I think the strength of this Auburn defense is their secondary. I think Roger McCreary is really, really good. I think he has a chance to be an early day two corner um, whenever he decides to go into the NFL draft. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he guards Smith, how he guards some of these first round talents. Um, You know, can can he bump and run with these elite pass catchers? I'm really looking forward to seeing it because he's been able to do it, you know, against every other top SEC option so far this year. And obviously, it's going to be his biggest test. And then Nehemiah Pritchett on the other side, he's gotten better uh, as the season goes on. 
Um, I like him a little bit more off the line of scrimmage. I don't really know how you think the best way to defend these Alabama receivers is, Luke, if you want to jam them and run with them and kind of stay in their hip pocket or if you want to kind of give them a, a little bit of space, you know, 8 to 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. Because Auburn kind of does both. Um, and I, I really like McCreary more as kind of, you know, being physical. And I, like I said, that's, that is my favorite matchup. That will be my favorite matchup um, on Saturday. I think the big thing, though, is going to be Alabama – uh, I mean, their offensive line you know, will be the best offensive line that Auburn's faced all year. The defensive line for Auburn's been kind of hit or miss, so I think that has a potential to be a pretty rough mismatch, depending on how you look at that. Um, but, but yeah, all in all, I think it's going to be up to um, up to the front seven for Auburn to really stop Najee Harris. A lot of Auburn fans feel confident about stopping Mac Jones in the passing attack, but uh, can you stop that while loading the box to stop Najee? I think that's going to be really, really tough to do. Uh, that is going to be tough, and also I uh, apologize to any listeners that have, have heard some very loud cars passing by as we're going here. I'm taking my three kids back to Ohio uh, for Thanksgiving, and uh, I, I'm in Georgia right now heading to the airport, and it seems like it's muffler optional day here in the state of Georgia. That's but funny. I will, anyway, be, I will be in um, Ohio for Thanksgiving as well. Small world. Uh, really? Where are you going to be? Uh, I will be in Columbus for part of it and Mansfield for part of it. Man, that is crazy. First of all, uh, this is apropos of nothing, but since it's a Thanksgiving podcast, I'll go there. My three children live in uh, Columbus. They live actually in Lewis Center, Ohio. I've been there a gazillion times. Yeah. And then Mansfield, Ohio, is actually pretty cool because they have a gigantic cast iron fountain. And the company, that my family's company, that's what we do a lot of is restore cast iron fountains like that. So if you're in downtown Mansfield and you see a big fountain, uh, be sure and tell them, hey, y'all need to get this thing fixed, and you need to get it fixed by Robinson Iron right there in Alexander City. Oh, that is awesome. I had no idea. Small world, man. That's crazy. Yeah, I just I, I know a lot of these small towns, uh, and again, I'm, this isn't the Cast Iron Fountain podcast, but I know a lot of these small towns all over the Midwest and Eastern Seaboard and in the South because back in the day before the Internet and before the television when everybody just sat around and, and were glued to electronics, Every, the, all towns had a fountain as sort of their centerpiece. That was the gathering place. That was the thing. And there were two major companies in New York, J.L. Mott and J.W. Fisk, that made all these fountains. And my grandfather acquired all those patterns so we can repair a lot of them. And um, it's just a longstanding thing. But it, anyway, I want to go back to the Iron Bowl. Okay, so that's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's just some, some interesting stuff there. I mean, it's weird how these things sort of three degrees of separation, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a real thing, man. It's a real thing. But, yeah, I mean, what what do you think about my assessment, though, of kind of uh, when Auburn's on defense, when Alabama has the football? Yeah, okay. Look, I love Mac Jones, and I think he's playing he's playing really, really well. And he's the more traditional quarterback than Tua. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and Devontae Smith is quietly becoming the best receiver in Alabama history. Um, he's got the most touchdowns in SEC history now for a career. Uh, he's going to obliterate that record, I assume. He stays healthy for the rest of the year. And theoretically, he could come back another year. But um, I think one thing Alabama's missing, and, and we haven't, it hasn't bothered him yet, the, the absence of Jalen Waddle is a thing. It's a real live thing. And um, I, I just hope it doesn't come back to bite Alabama in this Iron Bowl or maybe in the SEC championship game because that guy changed everything. And Slade Bolden, God bless him, is a good player. But he's not Jalen Waddle, and it's unfair to even put them in the same sentence right now. So, right. Um, I well, Auburn fans Alabama, know that firsthand. Alabama, I mean, Jalen Waddle uh, in the Iron Bowl last year was – 
I mean, unguardable. I mean, he was incredible yeah. in Jordan Hare last year. Absolutely unstoppable. Yeah, he's he's a piece of work, man. He's going to be a great pro, I believe. But uh, I love me some Seth Williams. I called him in the uh, state basketball championships many moons ago. Yeah. He's a, a fantastic athlete. I think the key for Seth Williams is to keep his head in the game, mm-hmm. keep him involved, because he has a tendency to sort of fall asleep or get disinterested if he's not the number one target, it seems like. Um, but I, I guess, look, what I want to talk about with you is Bo Nix. I mean, what do you think about Bo Nix? I mean, it's funny because I keep hearing all this, these rumblings that people want miles on out, and I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not growing, if you're not getting better, then you, people feel like you're getting worse. You don't really stay the same. But Gus kind of does stay the same. He wins eight or nine games every year and loses four or five games every year. That's kind of what he does. Right. Um, and, I, and I understand that Auburn fans want more, kind of like Georgia fans did with, with Mark Rick and Kirby Smart. Um, but I'm looking at next year for Auburn, 2021, and I'm thinking, man, you know, they have a lot of guys that are probably going to still return to school. Seth Williams probably gone. But how many of these other guys, given another free year of school, are going to turn that down to go be fifth, sixth-round picks? I think some of them are going to come back. I think Auburn's going to be the most experienced team in the league next year, and they're going to go to Penn State team that's kind of washing out right now. Yeah. They've got Alabama and Georgia coming home. I think if Auburn doesn't fire Gus Malzahn this year, I feel like that team is a not even a dark horse candidate for a national championship, maybe a legit contender for a national championship. And it's going to be hard to get rid of him because I can't see how in the world mm-hmm. with an experienced quarterback and Tank Bigsby and a bunch of guys returning defensively, how Auburn will be bad next year. Yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think there's any reality where they fire Gus this year we can get into that in a second if you want but as far as Bo Nix coming back I think I think they've kind of set up this roster to peak next year my issue with it is you lose you're losing your linebackers you're probably going to lose half of your defensive backfield and you're losing a bunch of your defensive front and then also I think they're going to lose a ton of their wide receivers I think Eli Stove is going to leave I think Seth is going to leave oh wow there's a lot of people that think Schwartz is going to leave. Um, so I um, I don't know if I fully agree with you on that. I think Auburn's going to be in a kind okay. of a, a tricky situation. Now I think the the, the hope is Bo takes big enough uh, you know a big enough step to kind of carry some of these younger talented wide receivers that they have kind of waiting in the wings. I mean they've got a, they're really really happy with their freshman wide receiver class. Devion Capers, Kobe Hudson, two guys that I think are going to be really really involved in this offense moving forward, and I think you're going to keep a lot of your offensive linemen, you're going to keep your running backs. You know, you mentioned Tank um, coming back, and so I, I think the offense is going to be fine. Defensively, though, I mean, losing K.J. Britt's going to be a big deal. You got Owen Papo coming back. Chandler Wooten opted out, so I think he's going to be that other linebacker. Zacoby McLean should sprint to the league as soon as this season is over because I don't think his hype is ever going to be higher than he is now unless he grows two inches, and I just don't think that's happening. So you need to ride this awesome season that he's been able to have as far as stats go. Um, then what happens with Roger McCreary? Does he choose to go? Because I think the NFL is going to want him as well. So I, um, I, don't, I, I think they're going to be able to reload just fine, and I think um, I, I say this all the time, Luke, but it's like if you are – if you are playing against a desperate Gus Malzahn at Jordan-Hare Stadium, you are not going to win the football game. And so I think, I think the hope is you're going to see a desperate Gus Malzahn 
later in the season next year, and maybe that kind of puts you in games that you probably shouldn't win. But when this guy's back is against the wall, man, I mean, you, you saw it after South Carolina, that, that terrible loss. It's the worst loss of his career. And he comes back, and you know he does what he did in Oxford, and then he does what he did against LSU. And I, I know LSU stinks this year, and, and and Ole Miss stinks, but Auburn just never has really killed bad teams. Teams that they like have no business being in close games, they find a way and be in close games. So I think um, I think the performance in those two games was admirable, especially when you look at Bo Nix. Those are the best two games of his career. Um, and I think the reason he's going to keep his job is I, I think they lose the Iron Bowl on Saturday. And then all the boosters are going to want him gone. And then what happens? They play a ranked Texas A&M team at home. And so you're going to see desperate yeah. Gus Malzahn at home. And he doesn't lose those games, Luke. And so I, I think that's going to be that's enough true. to keep him around. You know, that's just kind of that's just kind of my thoughts on it. You know what? That's, uh, that's also called Tommy Tuberville-itis, I think. A lot of times when he was desperate or when his back was against the wall, that's when he came out guns a-blazing and – when he played a bad Arkansas team at 11 o'clock in the morning, that's when things uh, went into the toilet. I mean, right. that's, yeah. it's, sort of, it's sort of weird that, that uh, two coaches are, are like that. Um, and, and, Luke, you know, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but like, I want to say like, I, I think Gus Malzahn's a good football coach. I think you can make yeah. the argument that he is one of the best coaches that Auburn's ever had, and I don't think firing him is the option. Uh, or is the best option. I think when you look around at other guys that you would bring in, I'm like, I don't think the program – takes a step forward. I think the unfortunate thing for Auburn is is they, they found their best coach in program history the same time that Kirby Smart is at Georgia, Nick Saban is at Alabama, and then Ed Orgeron is doing things at LSU. We'll see if that continues, if, you know, if the national championship was kind of something to expect moving forward with LSU or not. I don't know. But there's just so many things happening with Jimbo going to A&M. And so Auburn's recruiting the best it has ever had. I mean – you, I mean, you find a coach in Auburn's history that is consistently around eight, nine, or ten in recruiting, and you, you just you can't find it. It's just unfortunate with the timing. It's like they may be eighth in the country in recruiting classes every year, and then in the SEC they're fifth or sixth every year. It's just it's just the the, the timing kind of stinks. But I think Auburn need, at this point needs to play the consistency card. And just kind of, you know, wait out the Jimbo thing in A and M, wait out the Orgeron thing at LSU and kind of hope that good things happen from it. That's that's my personal thought there. No, I think that's a good one. Let's go ahead and take another break here, Zach. You're listening to a crossover episode between Locked On Bama and Locked On Auburn. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, Zach, it's time. Let's do our predictions. Here. All right. Uh, at the time of tell me what you got. us recording with the line in Vegas, is is it still 25? Have you checked it lately? It was 25 last I saw. Yeah, it started out about 23, which I thought was excruciatingly high. I mean, as an Alabama fan, I looked at that and went. Um, I thought the line would be around 15. Um, and so I was off by eight points, which is a guy who has done plenty of gambling in his lifetime. Uh, it, it makes me go. Wait a minute, something's up. I don't know what it is, but that I either I'm really screwed up here, or Vegas just doesn't understand this rivalry. Yet. Yeah. All right. It's shifted a little bit. It's twenty three and a half now. So, okay. Um, 
I don't think that's enough, <laughs> if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> I think it's going to be close in the first half, and I think the dam's going to break, man. Uh, that's, I think that's just kind of my take on it. So, gosh, I'm thinking like 42-17, something in, in, in that ballpark, which is around what Vegas is saying, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I'll go 42-17 Alabama. It's interesting, too, because Auburn's the only team in the league that hasn't given up 30 points. Alabama's got a, an unbelievable record-breaking streak of games scoring 35 or more. Uh-huh. I mean, something's got to give here. And the other thing is um, it, it just uh, – I was thinking last week that uh, during watching the Kentucky game when Alabama at first wasn't playing well, I was like, you know, this is going to hurt me so badly when next week Auburn's going to beat Alabama and it's going to be – uh, Auburn will lose to Tennessee and then beat Alabama because they'll lose to Tennessee so that they're unranked, so that they can stop Alabama's streak against unranked opponents and all these other things. You know, you just run through these nightmare scenarios in your head when you're an Alabama and Auburn fan. That's just how we do. We we are uh, eternally pessimistic, it seems like, for our own teams. Uh, but I'm with you. I think Alabama's going to score. I'm going to say I'm going to say 45 to to 20. I think that's going to be what the score will be, and I think that's, again, right at the spread, which is weird because I said it was going to – that's a high spread, but um, I, I still think it's high. I, I still do. How do you think it unfolds, sense. Luke? Do you think – you think um, are you are you kind of a mind, my mindset where it's close for a bit and then they move away, or do you think you know Alabama jumps out quickly and then Auburn kind of makes it a little bit close? I mean, how do you how, how do you kind of predict the game flow on Saturday? All right, I'm going to say I would break it down like this by quarters. I would say oh, wow. Alabama and Auburn are tied at, tied at seven in the first, and then I would say Alabama's leading seventeen to ten at the half, and then I'm like you. That's in the third quarter. Um, things get really shaky for Auburn. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, who has been the best assistant in the country, if you ask me, he makes plenty of good adjustments. Uh, whoever Auburn has to leave open is who we start targeting. Whether it's you know give Najee his his yards or whether it's Devontae getting open or, or even John Mechie having another big game or Jaleel Billingsley who came out of nowhere against Kentucky and made some, some fantastic plays. Um, somebody like that's going to make a play. And I'm also going to go out on a limb and say Alabama scores either defensively on spe- or on special teams. And that's what's probably going to break Auburn's back. And I think it ends up being 45, 20. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of in the same vein here. We're on the same page, I think. Yeah. Man. Uh, for all the Auburn folks listening to you, man, what is uh, what is the best way for them to catch up on all the uh, Iron Bowl coverage from the Alabama perspective? Uh, just check us out at Locked On Bama. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at LSRobinson21. Jimmy Stein, who is uh, my cohort, my co-host, he's a great Alabama guy, but he does a sports show down in Mobile, too. You can check him out at QB underscore country. He does a lot of work with some fantastic uh, prospects from all over the country uh, that come down and get quarterback coaching uh, from some people that he works for, and he's involved with that. So it's it's really he's a great follow sports guy. Awesome man. Well, hey, how about it, you, buddy? Yeah, you can listen to us every day at Locked On Auburn wherever you get your podcast, and I'm on Twitter at Z Blackerby. Man, you have a very happy Thanksgiving. Have fun in Ohio, and we'll uh, hopefully we'll chat again soon, man. All right, best of you and yours, Zach, and I uh, hope that the game is just uh, injury-free. Let's go that route. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, you, you have a good one, boss. We'll be back to wrap up the week tomorrow with a Ferg Friday right here on Locked on Auburn. It's the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. 
NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.